Welcome to the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour, episode 48. We're talking Ascension today. I am, uh, I should say, Seafies, otherwise known as sci-fi <laughs> channels, uh, Ascension. I am Olima 2, and that laughter that you just heard is H.A. Conrad. How's it going, Conrad? It's going well. Recently recovered from the plague. So, the plague. So, yeah, you were so, quite out of commission. I week. was, so apologies for the delay, nerd friends, uh, but... Yeah, that we're we're uh, delayed due to Conrad's illness. Uh, As we say behind the scenes, the safety and welfare of uh, nerdlings must come first before <laughs> podcasting. So, or or the general human population. As I as I, I quarantined myself, as most as people should do if they are sick. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw your text the other day, and you're like. Hey, maybe we could record, but I'm like barely going to be talking and I'm yeah. going to be bad. I was like, no, 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 Conrad. Even we even shall. reanimated got pushed. So, oh, you know, you, you can imagine if I couldn't do a, a, a an undead podcast, <laughs> which <laughs> I, think that, I was closer to that state, truly. Your plaguiness, yeah, it yeah. might have added a, a little bit of production value to yeah. that episode. But, but well, you know what? The, the one good thing about plagues, though, is that you're able to, you know, the one sort of solace is that you can comfortably watch it, like TV on a binge mode without feeling too guilty. So nice. that's so what I did. Caught up on this week's topic, which is I did. Um, Conrad, what's in our crossover chamber today? Well, because we're we're going to do a little bit of a non-spoilery review of Ascension, um, we're going to keep the crossover a secret because I think the what? topic. Well, the topic's going to give the topic of the crossover will give away sort of the 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 plot. So I don't want to I don't want to go there. But in any case, uh, that we'll reveal the crossover once we get there. Interesting. And I then, can't wait to find out what it is. Yes, I know. I know it's a mystery <laughs> to you. Uh, but uh, and then our top five is going to be um, top five miniseries. So I'm Exciting. excited to talk about all these things with you. Well, so, so getting into our we're going to do a quick non-spoiler discussion. And um, to get you all up to speed, um, I think one thing that's been interesting about Ascension is some of the interviews that have been coming out with Sci-Fi Channel. And uh, the Sci-Fi Channel president, David Hume, has basically said, um, not explicitly, but implied that they have made some mistakes post-Battlestar Galactica, that they created a lot of terrestrial, Earth-bound based shows, and they didn't really um, claim ownership of the sci-fi genre. And what they noticed is sci-fi and fantasy was really doing well on HBO with Game of Thrones, on AMC with The Walking Dead, and they were sort of getting left behind in the dust a bit. Um, This Ascension, which is based on the real-life Project Orion, which was an idea back uh, explored in the earlier part of the, the 20th century about launching a ship propelled by a series of atomic bombs, uh, yeah. <laughs> which that got dropped off after the nuclear test ban treaties. But it, it's sort of based on this idea of this premise of what if there was this giant ship that was launched into space um, in the era of JFK, and they were going to set off to Proxima Centauri on a 100-year mission to colonize this world. And the, the marketing around this was really cool. We talked about this in our fall preview episode. Um, it was something we were both really looking forward to. Conrad, in a non-spoiler way, what did you think? 
Um, I initially, I liked some of the ideas that they were going for. Um, the twist did not surprise me. I, I knew hmm. it was coming. Um, I, I felt like it was coming and later on I can tell you why. Um, I think it, there are a lot of holes here and I, and I feel like I wish there's some interesting ideas surrounding it. I feel like I wish it had been a lot more sci-fi and a little less Melrose Place in space. <laughs> I, Is that I'm, a fair? That's a fair. Uh, that said, you know, I there went and granted, I watched this in my plaguey state. <laughs> there are things that were interesting about it. Um, I just, I guess, I felt like it. And, you know, it had the wonderful Trisha Helfer in this. It had a lot of, it had Gil Bellows in it, um, who, whose head just seemed to get bigger and bigger, like literally. <laughs> His, that man's got an enormous skull, like crazy. Um, it kept getting bigger during the it series. It felt like the way they were shooting his head. I, I don't know if they need to use a wider really angle strange. lens that was morphing at the size of his head. But yeah, I, I don't you but, mean um, but especially, But especially in the first episode... Um, just an interesting idea about this community in space that's been, um, so, so the synopsis is that, or just from the beginning is that they're 51 years into a 100 year voyage to a planet that is sustainable for, for earth. And they're going there. Um, their grandparents started the journey, um, and basically the grandchildren or great-grandchildren are eventually going to be the ones to settle it. So, um, Super interesting premise. It reminded me of Earth, too. Right. It me, me, too. Of, me, too. Yeah. So there is an interesting premise to it. Um, and, you know, I, without get, I don't want to get into the spoilers, so I'm going to kind of stop there. But um, well, I think it, it's it, fair first, to say that the first episode um, it starts with a murder me. mystery. That's it does. what sets everything into, into motion. It, it does. But it's, you know, so 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 there. That's that's where I'm going to go with it. Um, would I recommend it to other people? Uh, you know, I think that there are some interesting things about it. If you like Sifi, you understand that there is a certain le- level of like cheesiness that's that's perhaps going to go with that. Um, but part of me felt like it couldn't really decide what kind of a show it was going to be. Um, so there were things injected into this that um, I felt weren't necessary and, in fact, kind of annoying because I felt like I wanted to get more on with the I wanted to get on with the the science bit of it um perhaps are you mentioning Trisha Helfer's butt well I didn't know if you wanted in, I didn't I know think if, we can have a non-spoiler discussion okay. about that uh, so before we get to Trisha Helfer's butt um I, I which is it, a phenomenal butt by the way it's it's beautiful oh yeah but no it, it's, it just it's, felt it's, very like it's glorious overused. it doesn't need to be in every episode too. Right. and if we are okay look Trisha Helfer's um was one of the best actors in this in this uh, show she did a phenomenal job right. and she's coming in from Battlestar Galactica so of course it was making me do some comparisons with Battlestar Galactica the thing about Battlestar Galactica did that show have nudity as well yes it did was it 
Did it always make sense in the context of the story? Usually, yes. Was it equal opportunity? Nudity, where males and females are featured? Absolutely. What I felt like here is this this felt like it was a bit sexist. It felt like they were just trying to grab some viewers' attention. Um, and it didn't really, it wasn't needed in the context of the story. It felt like I was watching Star Trek Into Darkness again mm-hmm. with Carol Marcus and, and the random, you know, bikini shot. That was not really needed. So some people might say, look, Ollie, the 60s never really happened here. We didn't have many of the social unrest and the revolution that came out of, came out of the 60s. Okay, fair enough. And some of that is explored, but we didn't need to see Trish Helfer's butt in every episode. Well, um, it was almost like clockwork. It appeared, oh, there it is. There There's it is Trish again. Um, yeah. And not just hers, there were other people's too, but if I felt like they played up that aspect um, a, just a lot too much. And you know what really bothered me about it? Is that we have seen her in Battlestar, and yeah. I really like her character was so awesome in Battlestar, and I think that that's part of it because she's, you know, it's supposed to be a space odyssey, and you're expecting to see a lot more for her, and I feel like from her, and I feel like they marginalized her character so Dude, much. It, and we got a little bit at the end, just um, a bit though, and I don't feel like it was enough to yeah. redeem what was going on. And I understand what they were trying to say generally, which I don't want to go into it in this piece of it. Well, but and, and yeah, in with that, what I want to say here is um, this show's a complete mess. Mm-hmm. It, it's a mess. There are some promising ideas. And I think if you stick with the show, um, the the middle episode, there, there's it aired in a three-episode series, three two-hour-long episodes. The original idea was they were going to release it as a six-part, um, one-hour, long series but that middle chunk I thought was interesting um, the last chunk it gets a little supernatural it gets a little messy um, and that's and what I was going to say it got way too supernatural like it's exciting you know what I'm saying like like they brought in that element and then made that explain away a lot of the I don't know I, I just yeah. felt like it they made that that take over the show and to me there's so many interesting things you can do it without even going there Yes. Um, and they didn't do that, which I was like, oh, really, dudes? You like you got me this far, and this is where you're going? You know, but- you can do that. And other shows have done aspects of that. I think Firefly is a show that had a slow reveal of some more supernatural elements of it. And um, you can definitely make that happen. But the problem with Ascension is, I, you're right, I don't think it knows what it is. Um, Although comparing- Firefly kind of explained those, quote-unquote, supernatural elements with science. So and Ascension doesn't do that. No, um, and although they kind of try to like like patch it on there, but it's not. <laughs> it's just there's not enough of an explanation. It's, it's clunky. It, it's not a show that necessarily knows what it's trying to do. And there's a lot of interesting elements of it. There's a lot of ideas that it brings up that are interesting. Would I recommend this? You know, I don't think so. I think if this does get picked up into a show. Um, a, a season, I might recommend it to folks that are interested in sci-fi and sci-fi programming. And I think that's where you were kind of going is if you like sci-fi yeah. shows, get uh, watch it. But this is nowhere near the miniseries that was Battlestar Galactica. No, I mean, I was going to say, if you're going to recommend like a, a sci-fi miniseries, it's going to be Battlestar. Of course, so absolutely. This is, and that's sort of, honestly, that's the standard that I I hold 
miniseries too. <laughs> That's a standard I hold um, sci-fi programming right. as well as the sci-fi channel to. They produce that show. They are capable of it. They know good stuff when it comes along, or at least they used to. Um, and this show does not rise to that level. That being said, I am glad that sci-fi is uh, is uh, doubling up on the sci-fi elements of their programming. And we're seeing 12 Monkeys is going to be coming out in January. We'll see if that's going to be interesting. But they are they are releasing more sci-fi-oriented programming, and that's good. Um, so- yeah, it is. I was actually interested in why they changed sort of how they were going to release it. And I'm wondering if this is because the attention span of the public at this point is very used to things happening. They want immediate gratification, which is interesting if you think about miniseries. Mm. Because mm-hmm. how it used to work is like, okay, the miniseries, it's going to go over a series of nights or sometimes consecutive nights. Sometimes it was once a week. Um, usually, though, it was consecutively. Um, and you would get to see what happened night after night. And it's in, I thought it was very interesting in the, in a world where... House of Cards happens and they release everything simultaneously that they decided to compress the release schedule. Um, So, and I, you know what? I also wonder looking at the storyline, whether this would have held people's attention if it was over six nights. I don't think so. What do you think? I, well, I was debating that and I'm thinking about the, the changes that have happened in media, it, it's interesting, though, isn't it? That that's yeah. that was the decision that they made. And I guess if you look at when they were looking to release it, it's over the holiday season, and there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for do, releasing it as they did. But and I think they weren't I, really competing with much science that's fiction. True. That's Walking true. Dead has has wrapped up. There's mm-hmm. no Game of Thrones. There isn't a lot of sci-fi. I think um, Constantine. Was not <gasps> nice. <laughs> I think Constantine did not air this week, uh, so they weren't. They didn't really have too much competition. But you know, I waited until two of the episodes were recorded, and then I watched those back to back. I did the uh, same thing. So yeah. it's you know, I think it's it's um, it's just interesting a little bit how our viewing habits have changed and what we're used to now. We want it, and we want it now. <laughs> Sounds like Conrad, you and I are both um, not too positive on this we wouldn't necessarily recommend it unless you're a fan of sci-fi channels programming would you like to blast off into spoilers uh just before that i would say if you know there there one one of the interesting aspects of this is that there there is a bit of a from a from an aesthetic and cultural point of view there is a little bit of madman sort of styling going about yeah it really is there's some of that going on but not clearly in my mind as successfully with that, I think some of the sets were interesting. I yeah. think some of the production value was interesting. It explores how a culture might develop um, in right. seclusion and in, in isolation and how technology might develop. That was interesting. It was interesting to see some of the mixture of 50s type of technology mm-hmm. um, and how that might be innovative or innovated. Uh, I think Trisha Helfer's uh, character goes through an interesting um, shift. shift. So there's parts of it that are good. However, um, it did feel like, like for the direction, for example, while the sets were great, I thought the lighting, it felt very like CSI. Yeah, it It did. It was like everything 
was super well lit. Everything was really brightly saturated colors. And I was wondering where is the uh, – it just wasn't – done in a subtle way or an interesting way um it was it was kind of these broad strokes so Mm -hmm. again it's a mess there's a lot visually i love the sets and then they were just blasted with all this light and saturation so um yeah Uh, i did like the costumes i thought the costumes yeah that's what i mean like from a stylistic point of view they got some interesting ideas i just don't think that they brought everything that they could have to make this an amazing show. And I did, I do think it had that potential. And so I find that a little bit frustrating. I think if you're into sci-fi, you may want to take a watch, but not like make it a priority, maybe on a rainy day and you're, you're kind of bored. That's fine. I don't think I would recommend this to everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if you're not a sci-fi fan, probably not. Um, but in any case, it's, you know, I don't see, you know, Battlestar as a miniseries was able to basically launch that show as a primetime series. Um, This would not be able to do that, in my opinion. No. And it got decent ratings. It didn't get stellar ratings, but it got okay ratings. So with that, nerdlings, we are about to enter the spoiler zone. Um, So from here on out, spoilers Mm -hmm. for Ascension. Okay, Conrad, so they're on Earth. They yep. never launched. Uh, oh, <laughs> not, nice. You did it right away, didn't you? So <laughs> well, anyway, we got to so get this is it. the thing. Um, so uh, with the first episode, you see them all. It's all you you kind of don't know where the setting is. You don't know that they're on a ship. Um, no. You you know that they're in this community. You just don't really know exactly what the setting is. You don't really know the timeline, the stylistic. Everything that you're seeing uh, is very 60s feeling, very retro yep. feeling. Yep. And then they hit you over the head with the fact that this is actually... Um, this is a, a spaceship that has never left Earth. It is, in fact, a, a social and perhaps genetic type of science experiment. Yep. Yeah, um, that's the reveal at the end yep. of that first two-hour long episode. And the Gil Bellows character who plays Dr. Uh, Harris Ensman is the... He is the person pulling all the strings to this. He is carrying on the work of his father who had the idea of this of the the actual space travel um so this is whole totally an insular community they think they're in space through a lot of different things that they do surrounding the quote-unquote ship um and so there's 600 people that have been on the ship there's a whole social structure which i found to be somewhat unbelievable it was a little too much upstairs downstairs well there's upstairs downstairs and this is the thing and this is why I I had a lot of problems with it initially. You know, they made a lot out of the fact that this group of people had started out in the 60s. Um, but they were a group of scientists, like the yeah. elite scientists. Um, and so even the people that are going to be doing some of the things like food raising and all of that, I can't imagine that they would be putting people that weren't able to you know, in terms of going into space, people have to tr- pass a lot of very rigorous psychological um, and, and you know, tests and to make sure. Tests, yeah. And physical tests. And also make sure that, you know, especially if you're doing a project like this, people have to perform many different duties because what if something happens? Sure. You know, there there's not just, you're not just going to have people in cases, which is sort of what this gave the, gave the impression that there's the blue collar and the white collar and 
you know, there there's there's the us and them and certain well, people. We talked a few weeks back uh, on our Martian episode about how difficult space travel would be and right. how incredibly complicated and tough it would be. And if you take all the world's best scientists, they, these need to be pretty resilient, smart, talented individuals. And that makes me think. Well, wouldn't they figure it out? Or well, if they that, don't figure it out, and wouldn't people realize that they're missing? Well, uh, that, and also, you know, in terms of the social structure, people that are that intelligent, I think, are going to evolve, even if they have no, no, uh, no, no contact with the outside world. They were making a lot of the fact that the sexual revolution hadn't happened, that these were all, I don't think their culture would have stayed in place. I think a natural evolution would have happened no matter what. Well, um, and some of that happens with Trisha Helfer's character. Well, and they do have women in, her, you know, head scientific roles and things like that. I mean, her ability to take that, uh, that birthday celebration, I don't mean like birthday, I mean the, the, the day the, where you figure you mean, out if you get to have a child. You mean the eugenic celebration? Yes. The eugenic celebration, yeah. Um, with uh, the mastermind computer that that figures this out that was interesting to see how her character sort of warped that into a um a larger kind of a, a cultural shift and it kind of reminded me of how pagan traditions were sometimes softened into other cultural mm-hmm. traditions i think there was interesting stuff coming up there but it's not uh, it doesn't make internal logical sense no and, and also well the other thing i was going to say in terms of the class system the people that are keeping your ship running and that are keeping oxygen going and all that, those people are never going to be considered part of a lower class. They're just and also, not. there's no bottom of the ship. Right. You're it's, in space. There's no up or down. Right. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of things that, that were problematic here in terms of like a plot. Um, and again, it's hard not to compare this with Battlestar, um, you know, and just sort of the culture that that is in and granted it's a little bit different but i just it's so so part of the premise of this is that they they're basically as as ali said madmen in space and that's sort of this culture has just stayed the same even though certain things have evolved like technology and clearly they're able to genetically match different people um so science has clearly evolved um but from like 50s or 60s technology so um, what- but it's but it's just an unbelievable premise and they don't make us believe it yeah yeah so, so yeah let me let me say one thing i did like about about this because i completely agree with everything you said uh it definitely does echo science fiction that's come before and the the biggest reference that stuck out for me was uh the star child must be born Mm-hmm. which is a complete reference to 2001, A Space oh, Odyssey. Yeah. Um, I love that there. once things start breaking down later on in the show, uh, one of the characters sees Alf. Uh, I know, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I thought that was of pretty Of all cool. things, that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, there's a few other things here and there, and uh, uh, Entertainment Weekly has kind of a nice list we'll put in the show notes. I did like that. Um, I liked some of the ideas that were that were coming up. Um, ideas like eugenics. Uh, that is something that we haven't seen in science fiction for a while. Uh, that I think that was most famously done with uh, Khan and Star Trek II, as well as Space Heat in the original Star Trek series. Speaking of the original Star Trek series, this whole idea of a computer determining uh, who gets to have a child and who doesn't, that is a very... 1960s Star Trek, the original series plot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was cool to see that being done 
in this retro Mad Men in space kind of show. Um, so I liked I liked those ideas. I liked um, some well, of these. Well, and uh, the the idea that you know, especially so because you're trying to. They they have a very neat little explanation explanation for their eugenics experiments, which is basically the computer is matching the people that are most genetically compatible to create the the most diverse gene pool. Yeah, that in was order to keep in order to keep it in order to keep make sure this population is healthy and and going forward. Yeah. Um So that was in, in. But what it means is that. You have to be with somebody you might not necessarily even like or be attracted to, but, you Which know. Which then made the whole idea of how sexuality is treated on this ship right. very interesting. Because I'm assuming, um, in some ways, they have uh, filtered out for sexually transmitted diseases. Right. Because there is a bit of sexual liberation There is. In, so on people, this ship. people definitely seem to be not have a problem with knocking boots, although it's an odd mixed message. Because you have some people, like even the Trisha Helfer character is basically currying favor to keep her and her husband in the high seat. Um, but then she gets upset when she finds out her husband is messing around. So yeah. it, it's like a very weird double standard in some places where it doesn't make sense. Because if she was okay with that, I don't think she would have as much of a problem. And and I think it. that that's one element of the story that could have been explored. Um, if, if we, I don't know if it was a time issue or if there just had too many ideas in here, but that could have been a really interesting idea. How sexual sexuality would play out in this show. And we there's an independent investigator who um, who is gay and says, you know, where where are all the gay people on this ship? And uh, the puppet master basically says, well, we didn't include any gay people. And she says, well, we have a way of appearing. And, and I'm where sure you some, least expect us. And, where you and it's all. And she's right, just from a genetic point of view. There'd Absolutely. definitely be some gay people on that ship. <laughs> and I would have liked to have seen that play yeah, out. Yeah, I would have. I was kind maybe of. Maybe that would play out in more episodes. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. I was kind of hoping when she said that, that they were going to, to explore that a little bit more. Yeah. And they didn't. It was so, a bit of a tease, wasn't yep, it? That yep. It felt like they were going there. And you know, there's there's a few other things I liked. Um, the radiation scene was really interesting to me. How uh, this whole ship how this whole civilization would have to respond to the to things like that getting radiation in space and we see a few characters in the lower decks are in a fight and the radiation go- alarm goes off and everyone kind of stops and goes through their radiation pods and i think i think that was interesting the parts that you know so th- this whole how would humanity live in space stuff was interesting the stuff that wasn't interesting to me conrad pretty much almost everything on earth and mm-hmm. um, also the the supernatural parts with the, that character yeah. becoming and then super there's powerful. and you know there's there's pieces where I thought they could have done so much with that like so one of the 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 big thing that starts out the show is a murder mystery and this is the thing like this murder as we find out is the first time that this has happened um, and I feel like the reactions of everybody on the ship once they realize that it's a murder are pretty muted. Given the fact that this is such a like, this is an anomaly. This is something they've never had to deal with in their society, um, which again feels a little crazy to me. If you ask me, if you put this many people in a ship together, but <laughs> um, for that, you know, that to me, that's just from a statistical point of view, that's something that's bound to happen. Um, but it, okay, so they 
they've got somebody investigating this. They eventually think they found the guy. Um, there's a gun involved. He's claiming he's framed. And then he gets jettisoned out of the airlock. And that was like a nice little reveal. Um, that was a great. I saw it coming. Scene. I saw it coming. It's how they reveal that the ship has never left the Earth. And so visually, that was done in a really cool way. It was cool. He gets blasted out of the airlock, and then he lands on like these pillowy, um, sort of like a, a crash pad, and he thinks he's going crazy. And I felt like they could have done so much more with that character and the realization yeah. that he's that he's. Because this is the only world. To, imagine thinking you're in space, and then you find out where are you. You know what I mean? Like he at first is thinking, uh, you know, what what's happened? Am I in hell? And I love that cognitive dissonance there. This, this, he's had this belief that he's been in space, and now he's getting some information that conflicts with that belief, and he's trying to negotiate these things. That's one of my favorite ideas in psychology is what do, you, what do people do in that situation? And at first he's thinking, am I in hell? Then he's thinking, did the ship land? And there was a potential to have that explored in a really interesting way. It reminds me of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, or those early scenes in in the first Thor movie, where we do have these characters interacting with a world in a in a world that they're very unfamiliar with, mm-hmm. and uh, there could have been some moments of comedy there, which the sh- show could have benefited from. And there's hints of it, but it doesn't seem to really go in the. It doesn't seem to get explored in an interesting way. To me, they don't explore that character the way they could have. That character and his experience could have been one of the most interesting parts of the show. Absolutely. And instead, they kind of go all cliche with him. You know, they finally show him in the outside world and he gets to drink alcohol. And and <laughs> it's sort of like he goes to a store and he basically sees all the alcohol available to him. And he's like, yay. Um, it's, it's one dimensional. It's very it's one dimensional and very yeah. cliche. And it's not the most interesting pieces of what you would expect him to be dealing with. Um, and to me, they wasted that piece of it. Um, and again, I mean, this is... This is one of the the things with the show. There were so many things that I would have loved them to have explored. Um, that is one of them. The other is just the scientific logistics of having a community like this. Come on, there's like a lot of holes there, you know, in terms of their food and their maintenance of the ship and things like that. It was very shallow um, and very just very cliche in sort of the social interactions. As I said, it went to a very Melrose Place kind of way to the point where it becomes just ridiculous. And, you know, the other the other thing I kept struggling with in this show is that, okay, I can buy that maybe you would have had funding for this kind of an experiment, uh, like maybe on a government level for like the first few years. There's just no way to me that something like this would have been sustained without private funding, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or even just from an ethical point of view, I just don't see anybody sustaining this kind of an experiment for 50 years. Yeah, no, that's that's one thing that was a nitpick for me. I could definitely see this experiment taking off in the um, earlier on. We're talking 40s, 50s. We've seen a lot of um, really heinous experiments mm-hmm. that have happened. The Tuskegee uh, syphilis studies are, are some that come to mind where uh, the government did um, infect certain individuals, African-American individuals, with a disease, didn't tell them they 
had it and just kind of watched and not observed just them, but them and their families. Well, and, then their families became infected, um, and and it and was just really wanted to see what happens. And that's the thing you could imagine. This is this is the thing you could imagine something like this sort of beginning. Yes. I don't think you could imagine it being kept quiet Maintained. for this this amount of time. And, and you know, also that's an enormous amount of funding. Nobody's going to notice. This facility has to be enormous. You know, yeah. like this is the thing. Especially in America, people want well, to know. Google Maps. Google Maps. That's what you I was going to say. Like people where's... are going to notice that this thing is going on, and the amount of power it would take to maintain. Yeah, um, it, it just it, it's not sustainable. The way uh, institutional review boards work now, the way funding works now, it would be hard to sustain something like this. And you know, there's other things too. Like there's in the last episode, there's uh, we discovered there's a memorial to this secret project. Yeah, you're outside. gonna put you're gonna put their names what? on this, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna do that. No. And there's you know it it hints at stuff like there's a moment in that last episode where they say we're gonna go full Snowden on this. I know. Um, which I'm thinking, okay, so yeah, that's that's nice, nice of you to do. But uh, social commentary in science fiction often works well when it's not explicit. Yeah. Like, here we are making a statement about the freedom of information um, versus kind of just showing us and letting us think about it and make the connections for ourselves. I always right. like science fiction that is a little bit more subtle than explicit. And this felt very mixed where they were trying to have explicit messages. Um, however, you're right, Conrad, they, they um, de-evolved into these Melrose Place type of moments. Right. So and, incredibly mixed and yeah. messy. Messy, and then you know the problem I have with the the supernatural element. There was some of that and that mystical element in Battlestar too. There was, yeah. But there was enough of the other interaction and enough of like the writing was strong, the plot was strong, enough that it kept you wanting more, and it didn't bother me as much because it wasn't as heavy handed, and it wasn't just you know. I mean the the, the again spoilers spoilers because we we are going to spoil the heck out of this, but. Um, it turns out that the point of this whole experiment is some the to to and the eugenics included is to eventually create a human that can I guess send somebody to another planet. That is the, what the gist of that is um, with her mental crazy electrical abilities. I, I love how IO9 said it in their review, their review, which is Ascension ends with the final supreme moment of WTF. They say, I quote, yes, you read that right. The fake spaceship has a girl who can tele teleport people across a galaxy using anger lightning. Yep. Yeah, and that's pretty much what happens. And it's sort of like, okay, um, I actually did. There were certain parts of this that started out kind of interesting. The fact that um, this uh, character, she's what, like ten or eleven? Yeah. Um, it, it, she is um, basically she. She's kind of you know. She talks a lot about different things during these things. Like she knows she has a sense that things are not all right with the world. That everything is a lie. Um, she keeps using the word globus, which is actually their security system. Um, you know, and this is, you know, there's some interesting things that they do with her character before they get to the magic lightning. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, 
I don't know how it's like well, her name's her, so, her name is Krista, by the way. And she, there's sort there, there's sort of these interesting points where she's staring directly into the cameras, which are super creepy and cool. Yeah, she's kind of breaking the fourth wall there. Yeah, and, and she knows what's going on. And so there's like there's some interesting things that they did with that. But again, they didn't do the most interesting stuff with it. They explained it away with magic lightning. Um, and there's you know so so there's just as you said, it's very messy. Um, it didn't, it didn't, and maybe you're right. Maybe they needed more time there. You know, there definitely wasn't, there was not six hours of this. Was there? It didn't feel like that. Well, they're not, each episode's like about 40 minutes. So yeah. it's not, it doesn't really total to, to six hours. Right. So they, I mean, they maybe filmed this, it might've been just kind of rushed. This, this was filmed over the summer and to get from the summer to a winter release seems pretty quick to me. Um, I don't know. I'm not a TV producer. Uh, but th- that character it drew a lot of parallels for me and Firefly, um, where River, um, River, right? Was that the character mm-hmm. in Fire? So River's character also has certain power, certain abilities, but there's a slow reveal of that, and there is a, well, like, and- as you said earlier, a good explanation right. for why that might be. And so we're, we're basically what we're basically seeing here is. In just a few generations, through eugenics, a human being has developed these uh, supernatural powers. I.e. magic lightning. <laughs> a magic anger lightning. And that is the big, that's the big thing about this. Like, what, what, what do they have to say about that? What is the, you know, so, again, we're doing a lot of comparisons here with Battlestar Galactica, but Battlestar Galactica had a lot to say about war, about terrorism, mm-hmm. about gender, um, about uh, military and police, uh, and it's still relevant now. And what is what does Ascension have to say here about eugenics and genetics and, and human evolution and all of that? I don't think there's a clear message. Not every science fiction film or series needs to have a grand message about humanity, but it feels like Ascension is trying to do that. And failing. Necess- and failing. <laughs> it, it doesn't really earn the moments it's aspiring to achieve. Right. Uh, yeah, so... So, you know, in the spoiler part of our review, that's that's part of why I came out of this. I also felt like overall, I think the acting was pretty spotty. Um, There were moments I think Trisha Helfer is also just amazing. Um, I think, you know, I think she always does a good job, but I also think she was handed a lot of crap to deal with here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, she was. And she made she made them uh, a mountain out of that crap that she was. She had, did, and she's job. very good. But if to me, it's like if you got her to do this, we see what she, we all know what she's capable of in terms of of tying together and being this like really formidable character. And you wasted her. Come on, yeah. Um, and you know, but so, the butt shots <sighs> again, the butt again, shots. the butt shots. Um, and that, then, that, and that's what pisses me off about that so much is Trisha Helfer is such a phenomenal actress. And outside of Battlestar Galactica, most people don't really know how Mm -hmm. talented she is. And to reduce her to uh, three butt shots across three episodes Mm -hmm. is, it, 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 it reminded me of 
what what happened in Star Trek Voyager with Jerry Ryan's character. Jerry Ryan was such a great actress in that show and had such an interesting character. And then they put her in this cat suit Mm -hmm. and she's sexualized in a way that is not needed at all. And it's just is just done to try. She was a she was a Borg. (laughs) What a cool character. What a cool Um, character. And the other thing that I really noticed in this. okay, so. Yeah, I understand at the time that this experiment was started, you have a lot of the scientists who at the time, just diversity within that community would not have been very large. But if you're talking about genetic diversity and moving things forward, there would have been a lot more multi-race people, multi-race people on that yeah. ship. Because just from a, if that's what you're talking about in terms of genetic diversity and moving that pool forward, you, you're going to have to have more diversity within that ship and there was like one african-american guy and one semi possibly asian looking woman on that ship i didn't really see a lot more than that um there was the librarian was also um african-american african-american but there was no one on the ship looked like me i guess uh people of south asian descent don't don't make it into space there Uh, was there was like one asian extra if you saw that (laughs) um and i it wasn't you know i thought um Emily, the older sister, possibly may have been a little bit, but I wasn't clear to me. Um, but in any case, it's it's you know. So from that point of view, that that's like, oh man, really. Um, so anyway, so there there we have it. I, I'm ready to wrap this one up, but um, and and I hope you are too. Are you ready to wrap it up? I'm ready to wrap it up, and I'm ready to blast off into our infinite crossover chamber. Conrad, what are we talking about today? Well, today, this is part of why we did not want to reveal this in our intro, because it would have given away all the the exciting things. So, um, the whole whole twist of the show, as I said, I, I knew what was going to happen. I knew, I felt like I, there, it was going to turn out to be that they weren't in space. And I can't tell you why I thought that, but um, there was just some things that the characters did that made me believe that that was the case. Um, and certain little hints that the Gil Bellows large headed Ensman character said. Well, I think once from the moment when they started showing Earth, things felt fishy. Like, yeah, why they did. even bother showing Earth? Yeah, and I think Earth that maybe that was it. Role. It tipped me off. Um, so I wasn't that surprised, although I was super excited when they blasted the guy out of the airlock because I was really excited about what they were going to do with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But this made me, you know, the, as I was realizing that, I kept thinking about another film, um, which, you know, w- this this is a, a film that I think you're familiar with, but um, we couldn't tell this in the beginning just because it was going to be a clear giveaway. Be a clear spoiler for those who wanted <laughs> to actually see this. So, see Ascension. So, uh, in the crossover chamber, we are going to be pitting Ascension, the television series, against the Truman Show. Yes, the Truman Show, a show, uh, or not a show, a film uh, starring Jim Carrey, film that came out uh, quite a long time ago. It was in the late 90s, I believe. Uh, Was it late 90s? I thought it was, uh, maybe it was, yeah, you may be right. Yeah, uh, so the 98, uh, 19, 98. 1998. Um, so the the Truman Show. Um, I- interesting premise. I think what's so cool about the Truman Show. Well, before I even get into this, um, our question today is going to be: um, Who is the better puppet master? Is it Kristoff, star, um, 
played by Ed Harris in The Truman Show? Or is it Harris Ensman played by Gil Bellows in Ascension? I, so I, who, oddly enough, both Harris in some of that. <laughs> Harris in both of our crossover chambers, sort of. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. A little bit of, uh, of a dual Harris. Uh, so the thing about Truman Show, the, the premise of this is Jim Carrey is playing an individual who, whose whole life is uh, simulated and is in this reality uh, chamber where it is being filmed and broadcast for the whole world to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's Yes, you could say it's a social experiment, but it's much more purely for an, an entertainment's sake. And there is a um, a puppet master who is shaping the events of this, and it's all unknown to Jim Carrey. And through the process of of the film, he slowly becomes aware that uh, that things aren't quite right, and the film um, explores that and what's what happens with that. So, uh, but our question is really about who's the better puppet master right so so you've got Kristoff, who's basically a director but he is most certainly the one that is uh pulling all the strings to create truman's reality and that goes to who he gets married to who his best friend is um who the the people that he interacts with on a daily basis like there's every single detail of his life is basically controlled by the Kristoff character. And everyone on the Truman Show, besides Jim Carrey's character, is a confederate, is mm-hmm. in on this, and is right. is being, um, is another puppet that is being influenced by, uh, um, well, I shouldn't say puppet, but is an actor right. who is being influenced um, and by And it's Ed also, Harris. and the whole world is following this progress, and it's, you know, it's an interesting idea. Um, and, you know, it, he is acting as he is human and and that's who he is because he has supposedly no idea although he has little hints where he kind of feels like certain things are wrong because you can't maintain that all the time um there's little glitches that sort of he he kind of um smooths over because i guess if you see something that is not uh that is incongruous to what you think reality is that's kind of what your mind does Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got on on the flip side, on the Ascension side, you've got Gil Bellow's character, Harris Ensman, who is a scientist that is carrying on his father's work. Um, and it's this social experiment within the ship, um, although we find out about the anger lightning later. But, um, you know, he's following these people's lives. He is um, interfering. Um, it's not just letting them do what they're going to do. Um, they, uh, if there are certain things going on, for example, if there's an explosion, they air out the gases, they, you know, orchestrate certain things, um, even though he's not supposed to technically, um, that affects the lives of the people on the ship. Um, so the question about who is the better puppet master in terms of what, what definition would that be? Is it who is more aware or less aware? Like how they affect the people's lives, Ollie. Well, there's we can say who's who's better, meaning more effective. Who's more okay. effective in shaping the environment? We could also say who's better in terms of who's a better human being. Yeah. And and what happens? Uh, I guess we're gonna have to spoil the Truman Show a little bit. Um, should we spoil it, Conrad? Yeah, I think we can spoil it. But I will say, if you have not seen the Truman Show before, we spoil it. Go turn this off and go watch it because it's a great show. 
Yeah, yeah, you can look in the show notes and fast forward to the top five if you like, because we're going to spoil uh, spoil uh, Truman Show. But um, I definitely agree with that. It's one of my favorite science it's fiction great, films it's from the nineties. It's a great 90s. film. I love it. So I absolutely agree with you. Uh, awesome film. If you haven't seen Truman Show, go check it out. I think it's one of my favorite science fiction films, and from the nineties. And Jim Carrey in this as as. Uh, as well as Eternal Sunshine, it really shows us uh, a wider range than what most people associate with his acting abilities. Um, uh, so with that being said, the Truman Show, the climax of it really focuses on Jim Carrey's character being um, – uh, there's a fear that he might be able to escape and get out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ed Harris's character, Kristoff, has created this phobia of the water and the ocean to try to keep him from leaving. <laughs> and actually this. actually uh, fakes the death of Jim Carrey's fake father. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a really, and you know, there's also, there is a comedic element to it. It is definitely... It's not heavy. It is heavy in some of the thoughts that it makes, in some of the themes that it introduces, but in in basically pulling the strings and keeping the plot going, there are some more and more ridiculous things that happen during yeah, so this it's, film. It, it's it's serious, but also humorous at times yeah. in how how it happens. And the, what happens is Jim character Jim Carrey's character sort of does end up in the ocean, does end up getting to the barrier of this giant, massive stage in this world that's been created. And Kristoff makes a direct appeal to him. You know, there's no more truth outside here than there is inside. Mm-hmm. And Jim Carrey's character ends up leaving. So I think right there, um, Kristoff has been able to keep this guy for many, many years uh, trapped in this artificial world. Um, yeah, and, and it's this this whole idea of free will and, and the choices that you make on a daily basis and the freedom to make those choices um, and what is impacting those choices. And, you know, Christoph is basically like, look at the world I've created for you. You don't want what's out there. Just turn around and go back and whatever. And and the Truman character is basically like, uh, absolutely not. And he... He leaves, um, and, at, at and it's a very, very and it's a very brave thing for him to do too, because he doesn't know what's out there, but he wants at, to know. At the very end, Kristoff, I think, does come to terms and understands that Truman wants to leave, and and uh, there's some acceptance of that. Whereas over here with uh, the other character, Harris Innsman, uh, Gil Bellow's character, I don't think there is anything that could keep this guy from continuing the experiment he's too invested and he you know he claims to care about the humans that he he's you know both Kristoff and and Ensman definitely have god complexes they feel like they know better they know what's best for their charges as they see fit uh to do whatever they want with them he makes a lot of different um you know he he basically um, in response to some of the criticisms of his actions, has said a few different times, I watched this person from the time that they were born, or I watched this person going through all these trials, and I know what's best for them. Um, they would not survive in this world, or they've created their own world. And, you know, this very... Uh, it's a very... Honestly, it's a very condescending and and very... Uh, I don't I don't even know what way to put it but it, 
he he is he wants to be this very paternal but also godlike character i guess um you well, know, some of the and best he, and some of the yeah so that's and and so some of the times that he has interfered he has made the argument that these things were for their own good some of the best moments in the truman show have christoph showing how much he does how much he how much he cares for truman and how much he is he thinks in his own mind that he is doing what's what's best for him. I never get that sense from Ensman that there's a concern for these people. He seems to have this very um, uh, very separated um, view of them, mm-hmm. almost as if they're not humans, but they're just these subjects to these pieces these pieces of this chessboard. Not really, because he's also somewhat obsessed with them in their stories, and somebody makes the comment that. Every, the the biggest pastime on the ship is sex and everybody watches them having sex and they have no privacy and he's obsessed with the doctor on the ship so he like steals her necklace like I don't think he's as separated as as your as you saw it um I, I think he is there is a connection with them that is a little bit obsessed and I see a little bit of that with Kristoff and, and Truman too um and I guess I guess my thing is is that with both of these characters, um, they feel like they have the right to do these things. Yeah, and then uh, I think the the problem for me, where uh, the reason why Kristoff is probably going to win this uh, for for me is there's more of a range to his feelings mm-hmm. about and his his thoughts about being the puppet master. True. We see we see some of the love, we see some of the concern, we see some of that grandiosity and that sort of god complex with Christoph, with Ensman, uh, yeah, you're right. He does say, you know, I know these people better. I know these people better than you do. I know what's best for them. Um, but he but, also, it is a means to getting what he wants in the end, which is magic anger lightning. Yeah, the motivations for why he wants to be a puppet master and what he's trying to get out of it are very uh, muddled for me. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I have a good understanding for them. Whereas Christoph, I think he honestly believes not only is he putting, is he producing and directing the most popular show in on the planet, but I think deep down he believes he is doing what's best for Truman. And I think that is an interesting story. Uh, why this person is a puppet master and what he feels in terms of a responsibility to Truman. And we really see that at the end of the film. I think he is he is so desperate to keep Truman in the show because he has convinced himself and mm-hmm. he's rationalized that this is the best place for this human and there is no more truth out there. You are not going to be happy in that outside world. I can keep you happy here if you only stay inside. Whereas Harris Ensman, uh, I don't, you know, besides my father started this project or, you know, I know these people best. Or Well, he also is concerned that they're going to be gassed, that if they end the experiment, they're not going to be let free. They're going to be killed. He makes that implication. Do you think he cares? Do you think he cares about the people or he would just be upset that this project that he's been working on is uh, over? I think it's a little bit of both. He's definitely obsessed with the doctor since he wants his wife to wear her necklace and weird crap like that. I don't think that they present it as well, um, but... I feel like Christoph, you get that you get that p- 
portrayal much more. Um, and as you said, I think he's convinced himself whether he's correct or not. That is for the audience to decide. And I think the audience firmly comes down on Truman's side yeah, um, I, in this. I, I, um, but it's, um, you know, it's... It, I, I think that this is, again, one of the issues with Ascension that I have is that you never really fully understand the motivation of the Ensman character other than the no, dad piece. And, and they could, again, in they could have done so Conrad, much. They could have done so much with that. Yes, they could have done a lot. And just, I, I completely forgot about that scene with him and his wife. And it's just, it, it happens very briefly. And it's, it's like, okay, what's going on here? It, they had six hours and this could have been developed much more. Um, going back to the Battlestar Galactica comparison, uh, the Cylons were, in terms of their motivation, Far more developed in that miniseries than um, Ed Harris's character. Oh, sorry, not Ed Harris, but Harris Ensman. I'm getting confused with all the Harris's. Uh, was in Ascension. So I vote Christoph, Mr. Ed Harris from Truman Show. All right. I'm just, you know, I, I would have to agree with you. I think Christoph is presented um, as a character, even though you cannot necessarily, you, you kind of are you don't agree with what he's doing, but you can see how he got there. Yes. And I think that that is laid out much more succinctly in Truman show, which by the way is like, you know, yes, it's a film, but they managed to do that within the scope of the film where they just couldn't do that in Ascension. Um, also, Truman show completely predicted our fascination with reality TV. Um, uh, well, it was already there, but I think it was, I, I we think had, it's, we and had, it's also based on a Twilight Zone episode, so that's a an awesome to, episode of Twilight really, Zone. Again, everything goes back to Twilight Zone, peeps. If you haven't oh, seen seriously. it, go and watch it. We um, should do a Twilight Zone episode, Conrad. Yeah, I think we should, because seriously, it is one of my faves. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think uh, out of the crossover, we're going to go with Kristoff. I think he's a clear winner, but I would love to hear what our listeners have to say if they watched Ascension and watched Truman Show. Uh, if you agree with us, that's cool. But I also want to hear dissenting opinions. Yeah, let us know what you thought. And with that, let's close up these doors of the Infinite Crossover Chamber. And onto our top five. Ready to launch into our top five? Let's do it. So, Conrad, what are we talking about? We're doing top five miniseries, um, which was, you know, it was kind of a tough choice for me here. Um, I, you know, I have to admit, I... Um, I left Battlestar off of this just because I knew we were going to talk a lot about it. Yeah, there's um, three I left and, off. And I will say to to all those listening, clearly, Battlestar has got to be in this list. And it's really, given given that it's the standard, I, you know... You can't you can't go wrong with Battlestar. It, it's you know it the way it started, the way it um, ended. Um, I, you know, Bill Bill does not like this series as much as I did. Um, he actually, you know, he has arguments with people all the time about this. You know um, who loves Battlestar Galactica? Who? New Anne. Yeah. Uh, she well, loves... Bill liked the first couple. I got him to watch the first uh, couple of seasons with me, and then you know there was definitely some mud in the middle, and he really disliked the fat suit thing. Um, yeah, yeah. He always brings that. <laughs> he up. He always brings that up. <laughs> um, but it's you know I think it, to me it was very good television. I really enjoyed it. Um, 
It's still one of my but top ones. We're not ones. talking about Circle like that. I, but anyway, that's you. why that's it, it's there. I just want to throw it out there and talk about it a little bit just because, you know. There's So there's three that I left off that because we've talked about mm-hmm. it in previous episodes. Battlestar Galactica, you mentioned From the Earth to the Moon in our Cosmos yeah, that episode. I, that's on my list too. So that's not yep. on here. Um, and the one one I've mentioned before in in uh, our Captain America Winter Soldier episode was John Adams. Um, mm. That's a, a miniseries yep. I loved. I, uh, and I, I also left, left it off because we talked yep. about it. Yeah. So with that, um, what's your number five, Conrad? Um, my number five is actually um, it is, and this is to rewatch this now is tough, and it it came back as a reboot um, on Sifi, I believe. Dude. Um, no, um, it's actually V. Oh, V, yeah. yeah um, and this came out in 1983, and I remember watching this as a kid and being just, like, fascinated but terrified. Um, you know, if I, I think it's... I did not actually... I watched maybe a couple episodes of the reboot, um, but um, didn't really make it that far into it. Um, but I, when I was a kid, this was just the most... You know, I could not wait to see the next episode, and there was like lizard babies and all sorts of things. Um, so uh, V was about um, extraterrestrials that that come to the Earth, and there's a question about whether they're good or evil, which becomes very clear, um, and eventually leads to a battle of the Earth. But at the time in 1983, this was like big stuff. So um, that is why it is not my number five. Um, for I did try to watch a couple episodes for nostalgia purposes, and it's pretty <laughs> like it's pretty slow and rough, and the soundtrack it's, is hilarious. So it's very eighties. If you want to have like like a super cheesy viewing of it, go for it. I, though I I honestly can't in good conscience <laughs> conscience recommend it <laughs> at this point. I think I would. I mean, did you see I the enjoyed, reboot? I saw the reboot. I love the original. My whole family got together and we would we watched the original when it aired. Uh, I watched the reboot, and yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it exists, but it wasn't <laughs> yeah, quite wasn't quite my cup of tea. Um, but that's a good pick, Conrad. I've got a lot of nostalgic love for V. Um, <laughs> I just I love the reveal of those aliens being like the lizards. And oh no, just, it was such a great reveal. But so the of, the effects are so funny though. Now, like when they're so eating 80s. the rats, when they're eating yeah. the rats, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> So uh, my number five is the 1998 miniseries Moby Dick. Oh, starring, that's a good choice. Yeah, starring Mr. Patrick Stewart. Uh, I, I really love this uh, miniseries when it aired. This was awesome because it came out shortly after Star Trek First Contact where Patrick Stewart is playing Captain Picard. And uh, he quotes Moby Dick uh, in that film. And then he plays Captain Ahab. In this miniseries, it was well acted, uh, well produced. It, it was nominated for some Emmys. Uh, it was uh, well received. So, if you're a fan of Patrick Stewart, uh, of Sir Patrick, or if you're a fan of Moby Dick and some classic literature, this is definitely something to pick up. I don't know where you would get it. Uh, it, w- it aired on USA on the, hmm. in, in the United States. I don't it's know. It's got to be streaming somewhere, right? It's got to be. Yeah. If not, I'm sure you can find it in, with other means. Um, but it's out there and it's good. Cool. Yeah. Um, going to number fours. Uh, I guess I'll give my number four. Okay. Uh, my number four I kind of alluded to a little bit earlier when you mentioned reboots. Uh, my number four is the 1984 
Dune miniseries. That is pretty good. Um, I, you know, I was a, a fan of the books in the in the film, so I didn't I didn't have it on my list. Um, but I can see why it would end up on yours. It's. Yeah, I feel like it has to be on one of our lists because, um, and I'm not talking about the reboot Dune miniseries on Sci-Fi Channel that came out a few years ago, but I'm talking about that original miniseries. Uh, I just, I have to put it up there because it's Dune and it's uh, such a epic, sprawling sci-fi work, so I feel like it needs to be mentioned. Cool. What's your um, number four, Connor? My number four, it's... Um, so they did um, a U.S. remake of this. Um, and I have to say the French version, um, which did air as a miniseries, actually, I think, is, is stronger. Um, and it's the translation is The Returns. Um, some people say that this is a zombie show. I would not agree with that. Um, I think that it's a little bit more complex than that what, what was the american version uh it's it's called the returned but the french oh. version is called Le revenant which is like the returned um huh. i've but, never heard of this and it came out it's um you know if you can deal with the subtitles i think that the original is actually much better um it's um it's basically about this town and and it's um it's the, the, some people that had died like a few years ago in various circumstances uh, are come back, start appearing. They have come back from the dead. Um, and there's a question. I'm not going to give away spoilers on this one, but there's a question about why they're back and what is happening. Um, and now the U.S. version um, is um, is I think it's been renewed for a second season um, to be airing in 2015. Um, so that's. You know, it, it's um, the intrigue and sort of the, the complexity of people that have, have mourned people that they have lost and now have to deal with them returning and what that, that, what that means and how they now fit into their lives is a very interesting treatment. So I, I recommend it. I think it's well done. Um, I thought that the U.S. version was a little less interesting, but... Um, that is, I think it depends on whether you can deal with subtitles or not. Okay, cool. So go with that. Yeah. Good choice. Uh, Um, yeah. And so the, the U S version I think came out in, hmm, I don't know. Uh, this came out in 2012 or 2013 or something like that. So, so yeah, go, go for it. I'll have to look that up because I not heard anything about it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it was on, I think they aired it on Sundance, um, and, you know, Stuart and I had talked about possibly talking about this on Reanimated and we had discussed a little bit of this, but both of us felt like even though they were billing it as like a zombie series, it doesn't really feel like a zombie series. So mm. anyway, that's that's that. Um, but okay. it is, I do I do think it's it is worth watching, though. Cool. So. Uh, my number three is uh, is a Stephen King miniseries now there's been many oh no uh, oh no what are you gonna say well i'm not gonna say it no uh, well that would be a better choice than what i would suspect you're going to say oh uh-oh. i'm not saying under the dome either uh which... oh god are you gonna say the stand well i am gonna say the stand Ugh. here's why it's terrible ollie here's why okay no I am saying, I will admit that I have not seen this since it aired. Oh, which is, but even when it aired, oh, sorry, keep going. 
when it aired. I'm just not going to, you know, clearly I have no opinion about this at all. <laughs> well, okay, I, I I haven't seen it since 1994, so my memory might be foggy oh, here. It's but so I, bad. I am choosing it because at the time when it aired, uh, it was the only thing that my friends and I could talk about. And it was it, it was one of those motion, or not motion picture, but TV events at mm. the time when uh, it, it was something that everyone was watching. And Is this everyone, because you didn't read the books? Well, I was a kid. I think I was in elementary school or something. Oh, and you watched aired. this in elementary school? Wow. Yeah, Interesting. I did. Um, I'm pretty sure it was elementary school or middle school. I'm not quite sure what school I was in at the time. I, th- I think I was, <laughs> ah, who knows. But w- what I do remember very vividly is watching this, and then my whole family discussing it and then going to school and everyone's talking about it and then rushing home to watch it the next uh, day and then everyone was talking about it. It felt like one of those uh, major events that everyone watched. I so for guess. that, I, I give it uh, my number three oh, pick. No, everybody uh, was so bad in this. Ugh. Gary Sinise. He was, Gary. he was maybe the only good piece of this, but like Ro- Molly Ringwald, Rob Lowe. Oh, so bad. Rob Lowe was in this? Wow. Yes. I totally don't remember that. Um, so again, maybe I should see it again, but for nostalgic value, I, I love the experience of watching this. All right. I, I will I get I will give you the experience and I I mean seeing as how I put V on this list, I can't <laughs> I cannot really cast stones. However, I just maybe because I was older when I watched this and I did uh, like I thought that there were I liked the book up until the end. I think that it was an interesting idea. Um but yeah, I just this I couldn't even finish watching it, I don't think, or I tried to, and I don't think I... I think I eventually got there, but it was, like, years after it actually aired. Um, Well, I I didn't put... I liked it, but it was something that gave me a clown phobia, so I couldn't, in good conscience, put it on the list. Yeah. And then I really hated Under the Dome um, and wasn't a big fan. So this this felt like the right pick for me, but, you know, everyone has their own opinions. Yes. What's your number three, Conrad? Uh, My number three is an actual zombie miniseries, um, and it's one I I don't know if we have talked about this or I've mentioned before. Um, It's called In the Flesh, um, and it was a BBC miniseries um, that first aired in 2013 and then got renewed for a second series um, this past spring. Um, And it's basically about um, what would be like a zombie outbreak and what a community does because they found a a cure or at very least like a treatment for it. Um, So it's all these people that have been guilty of killing a lot of different people being reintegrated back into the communities. Um, So it poses a lot of interesting questions. It does it in true British form. Um, and there's a lot of different issues that are addressed within the show um, about sexuality and acceptance. And um, clearly they're talking about other things um, in the general social sense. Um, but it's pretty well done. Um, I would like to see it come back for a third series. But unfortunately, the network uh, BBC Three that this appeared on, I think, is no longer Mm. Um, and it's the same network uh, that um, it, it, it. What was the uh, supernatural show that was uh, was? It was like with the werewolf and the witch and the vampire, and they redid it for US too. Uh, I have no clue. Oh, what was it called? <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm gonna like blank on this. Uh, 
it uh sorry she wasn't a witch she was like a ghost um why can i not think of this it'll come back to you uh being human Oh, being human. Yeah, yeah of so this is yeah. the same network that that appeared on. Um, and apparently, the, so there's some question about whether this is going to be renew- renewed. Um, but it's it's a really interesting and well-done series. They're, in some treatments, they are a little bit ham-handed, but the acting is very good. Um, and I, I definitely recommend it. You should, you should at least try it out for a bit. I think you would really enjoy um, definitely aspects of it. And it's not, you know the super scary zombie stuff. So I think more than just zombie fans could enjoy it. Cool. So yeah. That's a, that's a cool pick. Another one I am not too familiar with. Uh, so we are moving into number twos. And I can assure you, Conrad, my number two and one picks are very good. <laughs> so after, you know, the problem is after you exclude things like Battlestar Galactica from the Earth to the Moon and John Adams, um, we're going to have some duds in the list. Uh, yeah. But my, yeah. My number two and number one, I stand firmly behind, and I can watch these any day of the week. So my number two pick is Band of Brothers. That is my number one. Oh, cool. Yep. Okay. Um, and I'll, and I'll, like, talk about it. Go for it. Well, so what I want to say about this is uh, this was a HBO-produced show. Um, Tom Hanks had a big role mm-hmm. to play in this, and he worked closely with uh, Erica Genderson, I believe. Um, and Steven Spielberg had a little bit of an executive producer role here, um, which is where some of the Saving Private Ryan type of aesthetic comes from. And this is a 10-part series uh, that follows the true story of Easy Company during mm-hmm. World War Two, and what's very cool about this show is it started with uh, five to ten minutes of interviews with survivors mm-hmm. of Easy Company, and they're talking about these different phases in uh, in their life, from their training to um, to their service to the return home. And um, I really got pulled into the series. I love the historical accuracy. I love the look, the feel. Uh, Each episode did focus on either a different individual in Easy Company or a different part of their story. And it is just wonderfully done. It's Um, really well done. It is is heavy. um, Yeah. But it needs to be, clearly. Um, I think that it is just in terms of the acting and the production value, I think it is a very important series. I also think in terms of preserving the memories of what this war was like, yeah. I think that they did a really, really good job. Um, I, I do think that um, just, and, and for those of you who, uh, you know, who don't, um, don't know him, but um, what is his name from uh, Homeland? Damien Lewis is mm. this was this he was in this um which is interesting because he does a pretty he, in both in both series he does a very good american accent even though he is british um he is amazing in it but everybody's pretty much amazing in it yeah um yeah you know uh donnie Wahlberg's actually in it and does a just an amazing job um and there's so many there's almost too many to name um and i think that this was a very important series um i ended up you know, it, watching this, um, binge watching it because I watched it after the uh, after the fact. But it was one of those things where I just kept wanting to continue to find out how it ended. 
Yeah. Um, oh, and and uh, Michael Fassbender's in this too. I forgot about that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a very important story, uh, which is why it was my number one. Um, and you know, people still talk about it and uh, still recommend it, and I would happily recommend this to anybody. Although with the with the sort of disclaimer that this is there's some really upsetting things within this, so just be aware of that before you watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I watched it in college in my uh, dorm room with uh, some of my roommates, and we just uh, my, one of my roommates was a history major, Mick, and he uh, owned this D- owned the DVDs, and we just binge watched mm-hmm. them over the course of a week, and it was it was amazing. Just and it uh, still holds up. You know, oh, were you yeah. watching this? Uh, it really holds up. It's just such a well done series. Um, I think it's also better than the successor, which was the Pacific. Yeah. Uh, Pacific didn't really capture that uh, the magic of uh, of Band of Brothers. And you're right; it's the production, it's the directing, it's the acting, it's the music, and the it, score. To yeah, that is, and I have to say, kudos to Tom Hanks because it feels like a lot of the things that he gets involved with in, from a historical perspective. He just does an incredible you know, job at getting involved in producer. some of these, you know. So yeah, he's a really good p- producer. He because um, <laughs> um, he was involved. Was it from Earth to the yeah. Moon that he was involved? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, so so just the fact that he helps these these projects get going, and I feel like they're very important projects and things that people should see. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, good pick. Ali, and good pick for my number one. And good pick, Conrad. Um, so that makes me very curious. What is your number two? My number two actually led into that. Um, my number two is, I would say it's a little bit of a cheat, but I still feel like it was a miniseries. It was The War, um, the documentary by Ken Burns. Oh, that's not, um, a, that's not a cheat. And it came out, in, and it follows um, different it's different soldiers from different towns, um, and it has their letters, and their it follows their path, Um and it's it's a very it was a very well done documentary again very heavy and and some of it is very hard to watch but very important in terms of um i I think sometimes people forget what the realities of those times were um and i think it really takes you back and they do a lot of interviews with uh people that were in the war and and as you like as you know a lot of these people are dying like a lot of these veterans um are are quite elderly now and their stories are going to be lost and it's very important i think to document this and i think he does it in a very good way um and i think you can still either buy this or watch this on pbs um and it's really a a well-done documentary um he also did the civil war which i i thought about putting it but i felt like this led into band and brothers a little bit better so Mm, mm um but yeah that this was um, some of, some of the, it's, it is, it is very hard to, it is very hard to listen to some of these things, um, it, you know, and I know that it's hard, but I also think that if you want any sense of history and how things were, I think you should be watching this. I think people should. Um, so yeah, that, that is why, uh, and this came out in 2007. Did you get to watch this when it came out? I did. I don't know if I've seen the full documentary, but I have seen at least uh, a couple episodes from it. Yeah, and oddly enough, one of the one of the people that it follows is a soldier from uh, Waterbury, Connecticut, which is right near where uh, Bill's family. Wow. Where you know where where they were all from, or and whatever. So there was a lot of things within it that Bill was like, you know, oh, I know that place, <laughs> you know, and they were mentioning <laughs> different things. Um, so it's. 
Um, it is very long, so you can certainly do this in chunks, and I do recommend doing that because I think it's hard to binge watch this because some of it is very heavy material, but it follows the progression. And I think that's what happened to me know. is I was trying to watch them in succession. It's hard. And it was it was just kind of too much. I just can't. I couldn't. Yeah. Couldn't do it, uh, which is how I tend to feel about some of uh, Ken Burns' work. Uh, he, uh, he, the other, the most recent documentary of his I've seen was uh, Prohibition, hmm. which, which is also a great uh, three-part series. I but didn't see it, but uh... it, it's it's good. It's it's actually very interesting about the the how politics played a role in that era of of American history. But the thing is, you know, each episode is about two and a half hours yeah long. they're long <laughs> and and it's you really need to have your brain turned on to full to appreciate it and i, I can't do that for a six hour span of time so um yeah it's it's uh, good but take it in chunks and spread those chunks out cool. well then what is your number one is what oh, i would like my to know. number my number one is roots a uh, good choice good choice i have it in my honorable mentions um for a couple reasons but go ahead yeah, so this is uh, the television miniseries, which for a very long time was one of the most highly uh, watched uh, shows of all time. And it's based on Alex Haley's 1976 novel, Roots, the Saga of an American Family. And for those of you who are not familiar, you'll probably recognize uh, one of the main characters, uh, Kunta Kinte, is played by LeVar Burton. This was his first major role before Star Trek The Next Generation. He really became very famous for, for playing this role. Um, I picked this miniseries for a few reasons. Number one, uh, it was one of those things that my family and I would watch pretty much every year when it was rerun. Um, we would watch all, all the, the episodes and I can't remember how many episodes there are, but there's a uh, six or seven, seven episodes, I believe. And, uh, it just, it, it really sticks out in my mind as helping me to understand, the role of uh, of slavery in America and the impact that had, um, broadly speaking. Now there are criticisms of this work. Um, <laughs> well, this is why I, it's on my honorable mentions because I I do think that where it stands in terms of when it when it uh, aired and I, I agree that it's an important work. However, there's a lot of controversy about the validity. Yeah, so work. Alex Haley was sued by another author, Harold uh, Corlander, who said that um, Alex Haley was plagiarizing aspects of his novel, which came mm-hmm. out prior to Roots, uh, The African. And uh, this went to trial, and it was settled out of court, and there's been admission that some of the aspects were, of Roots were definitely influenced by The African. Uh, there's also been some questions about the veracity of uh, of the story, um, and I think all of that is is important for us to note. And some of those things have just more recently caught uh, wider attention. Um, that being said, I still think it is a uh, like Band of Brothers. It does explore uh, a rather painful part of history, mm-hmm. and absolutely, it do- and it does it in a way in which you know I think you can watch this maybe not with very young children but a whole family can watch this together and I think it's important to have some of the discussions about 
what is being portrayed in this series. And it brings those things to life so much so that I took a college course in in this where we were uh, watching the miniseries and then reading um, historical texts about these different eras ranging from um, from the colonial era and colonial slavery all the way to uh, Civil War and early 19th century, um, or I should say late 19th century. So um, I it's it's uh, one that I um, have very vivid memories of as a child watching it, and then plus, uh, most plus recently Levar, watched plus it plus Lee Burton. Of course, plus Lee Burton. Yes, so. Ms. yeah, 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 yeah. Levar Conrad, I think it's pronounced Levar. Sorry, Levar Burton. <laughs> there we go. I get to correct apologies, you. apologies I'm, for the the, you know. It's I'm I'm pretty happy because I just got to correct you on a pronunciation of uh, of something. Yeah, that rarely happens at Nerd Hour. So um, that's my number one pick. Biopic. Anyway, oh, um, <laughs> no, just teasing. Um, no, I hear you. I mean, it, it. I think it was important when it came out. I think that the acting was good. Um, I think that it presented a lot of different things. Just the plagiarism went to such a point that it was, you know, I just feel I have like, you know, plagiarism. Hmm. Um, in any case, um, but plagiarism's no. bad. I don't like plagiarism. Yeah, it's- and it just made me feel a little weird about putting it in there. But um, yeah. I get, I get that. Um, now, uh, like a couple of the different, I was just curious if you had any honorable mentions on your list. I only have one. Okay. Um, and I, this was a hard list for me once we took out some of the ones we've talked about before. Um, the one honorable mention I have, and this is more, um, this is more of a shout out to Nuan, who loves this series, uh, is Anne of Green Gables. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a really good one. Um, it is tough. I don't know. It's it's very long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's an, it's a good series. She's a super, super big fan and has helped me to appreciate uh, that work. So uh, that's all I've got, Conrad. I um, couldn't really... I, I didn't really have an honorable mention, but when Bill and I were... Because I, we were talking about different miniseries and uh, we were remembering how big uh, North and South was and I don't this is probably before your time I haven't seen this that was in 1983 and it's it's rough it's like hard to watch um, and you know it's it's very uh, very stilted and cliched so I couldn't put it in like in good conscience I could not put it on our list and, and so it's semi honorable mention only because it was such a big deal at a time but it's um, but that's there and it also has a very young Jonathan Frakes in it um, Ooh. Yeah, like super young. Just even if you just Google Commander him, and, Riker. just Google him North and South, and you look at how young he is, it's like, oh my gosh, really, really. <laughs> well, um, Jonathan Frakes has been in the news recently because uh, Star the new Star Trek film has lost its director, hmm. and they're trying to find a new director. And fans want Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Frakes, Frakes yeah. to come back since he directed Star Trek: First Contact and Star Trek: Insurrection, and did a fantastic job with those. Uh, well, at least with first contact. Um, so, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to at least Google image search North and South. Yeah, it's pretty. He looks so young there because I had to do the same thing because I was like, oh, I remember he was in this. But and and then I watched a clip of it or actually I like I watched the first uh, episode of it and it was so bad. I was just like, yeah, this. Whoa. 
rough. 83, 83. <laughs> um, and then the other thing, um, House of Cards pops up a lot, but I wouldn't consider that to be a miniseries. I think that yeah. that's a series. Um, so I couldn't put it in the list, even though it's clearly amazing. But I just... There were a few of those for me where I'm like, well, this is really stretching the limits of what we well, call a miniseries. It's stretching the limits, but it also makes me think, like, what is the miniseries and just sort of how they change the format of this uh, for, for Ascension, you know, is it, are we swinging to a different format of things? There is something, if you really like the show and if the show, the series is really good, there is something exciting about waiting for that to come out. But I am more and more just sort of in this, in this state of mind where I'd rather wait for everything to come out and then watch it all at once, which is like, I know like there's some gr- delayed gratification in watching things as a series that you don't get from binge watching. Um, there's, there's, there's a little bit cons. of there's a little bit of satisfaction in watching it over time and digesting what you've seen as opposed to watching it all in one go but it's but there is something like to be said for being able to find out what happens next immediately so it's yeah. it's this I, weird interesting dynamic that i think we're going to see a lot more of as we as we've discussed and i think with house and cards you clearly have oh, yeah. a whole first season you have a second season it was it was always intended to be a um, series a series so yeah no it's it's it was a tough category there there's some clear standouts like band of brothers and then there's a lot of duds out there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so all um, right well, but anyway that's well, That's would, it, but I would really want to hear what other people's thoughts yeah, are and what because yeah. you know I'm always up for a good miniseries. So I'm sure there's stuff we've forgotten. So please let us know, dear listeners. You can find us at Nerd Hour on Twitter. We also have a website. You can get, find that very easily just typing in nerdhour.com, um, and you can email us at uh, info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. Conrad, we have no clue what we're talking about next week, do we? No, um, but we will. We will come up with something soon. So uh, yeah. Could be and the Hobbit, the, could be Into the Woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of what might be the more interesting episode. Um, but we have, we also have a very fun fiftieth uh, episode coming up to celebrate um, not only the end of season one of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour, but or series our, one, if you will, or series one, if you want to go for the British. Uh, pronunciation or, or perspective and uh, we're going to be starting a whole new year of Nerd Hour very soon so we're, we're going to have a fun 50th so um, until then Conrad where can people find you online? Online and after a bit of a hiatus due to plague uh, I will be <laughs> at, on the show Reanimated with my buddy Stuart Tiffin uh, so that's uh, Reanimated PCAST on Twitter and reanimatedpodcast.com uh, generally. And uh, on Twitter, I am personally at DiePrince. Very cool. And I am always at Olimatu on Twitter. And I'm the science fiction psychologist at brainknowsbetter.com. Uh, and that's about it. And uh, I guess until next time, dear listeners, live long and prosper. <laughs>